one. Hey. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I just, um, like, I don't even know what I just did. I did a weird thing, and everything got messed up. That was bizarre. Okay, <laughs> we're back. Oh, I just um, so, yeah. searched your wallpaper, found it, done, you done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I had accidentally closed the Zoom window while trying to open it, and then, um, yeah, who knows? It's up, though. And then I but I lost this, and I couldn't, I couldn't start the audio, so... Bling. Wow. Um, well, hello. Um, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing I can't see good. anything. I'm blind. It's terrible. Lost my glasses in the ocean. Rogue wave got me. <laughs> Unable to see. Can't read the news. You know, the ocean's a pretty big place. Yeah, the Pacific Ocean doesn't have a lost and found either, so I'm, I'm sure I'd have left there. It does. It's at the RTB for all the drones. Zero, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone do some uh, some cool stuff this weekend? This week? Last um, week, since we didn't do a show? <laughs> yeah, I've spent a lot of time working on a couple different tools that I'm going to release soon. It's just I'm in the process of doing that thing where you know when like if you go through like a tool that you've written to do something, but you just want it to be like normal so that you don't have to like do something stupid to make it work better. And then like you end up re-architecting the whole thing. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's the best feeling, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun, but at the same time, sometimes you get like overwhelmed by like design choices and um, other sort of little nuanced things. And trying to make something portable rather than just running on on like this one specific directory and oh, machine that everything's assembling to. <laughs> oh my god! The number of times I've rewritten something and gotten just bogged down by the rewrite, and it would have just been faster to deal with the crappy stuff to begin with. I've yeah, just been no, studying, studying insert hell. Yeah, I will tell you from experience though that the tool is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's Thanks. Pretty cool. Yeah, and no, I'm excited to put it out there. There's also the the other side of it though, where like you're over engineer something, you're like, oh, it's gonna do this and this and this, and you end up writing like all this like front, like structure that you're gonna use later, and then it comes to like yeah, and you're like, uh, I'll pick it up, never. Yeah, um, my favorite's when I build something on my desktop, and then like a month or two later, I go to put it on my laptop, and I go to install the libraries it's using, and it's using a different version of the libraries or something oh, messed up, and then everything's all all backwards and I just go, oh well, I guess I don't need to do anything ever. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh standard fare. I guess it's just, yeah. I mean like when I write stuff, I usually try to do a pretty good job of writing things that'll be reusable for later. But sometimes I just write things so fast that like to solve a specific problem in the now, but sometimes I just like will lose track of stuff. And sometimes I won't even write things to be the same like script i'll just write several scripts that i end up chaining together which then like i'm or i'm like relying on already shitty code to then plug into other scripts and it's just like yeah oh my gosh my, my personal my personal bash in python hell so <laughs> but my favorite having to debug like 30 scripts at once that feed into each other like oh god yeah print everything and all the scripts yes it's called programming Got here, got here one, got yeah. here two. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I always put like oof in my stuff, and sometimes I'll forget that I put it as an, as an exception. And it doesn't even like print the exception, it just says oof. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, I'll see it, and it'll sometimes be something that like didn't happen, and then it'll be in the middle of a bunch of stuff that did happen. And I'll just notice it, and it's just like a little like this little call, like you screw up somewhere, dude. Like, fix yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not like a really vulgar swear word or, or set of statements. I've seen people who put that shit in production code and ends poorly. Oh yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Just like just swearing. <laughs> I've been super diligent about not using print and using like log levels in Python. I don't know. Oh uh, well, you could also use uh, a lovely debugging tool. Oh, look at these actual programmers here. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, because I, I was writing JavaScript, like, for so, like, writing Node, sorry, but for so long, like, using, like, a logging library to do stuff just became habit. And I'm like, yeah. I never yeah. do this shit in Python. I always just do, like, every every time I print, I do, like, the square brackets plus because my exploits are mad late. And uh, Python's got a solid printing library, too, or solid logging library, too. Yeah, you like I've got a formatter that I copy paste now that does that. So if I do like log info, it's the plus and it's in green. You know, it's like four lines of code to copy and paste around. Well, you could do like log cycling and stuff with their default logger. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Also, hey, I like this, right, so uh, should, should... Oh, I was gonna say I like the like the background. Today's oh, thanks. Background. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm running out of cyberpunk gifts. Please send me some. Um, <laughs> oh, you heard that, everyone? Blow up at the crowd with cyberpunk gifts. If you have a favorite anime or mango, and uh, mango, yeah, or mango and or mango, and it, you know, you can take a, you can capture a little a little loop that's totally cyberpunk as fuck. Please do. Give us some yeah. original content. I love it. I have I have a lot of a lot of old VHS tapes I could pull from. I just I get lazy because everything's last second as always. But <laughs> um, yeah, we should I get like get into the news because we're gonna be doing basically tonight um, just news and try to play with this concept because realizing that we get a lot of guests and tracking down guests and like thinking about guests is like I don't know we don't always have to do that. So sometimes it might be cool to just do news sometimes and just have some people who might have been in the news stories that we're sharing um, or in the write-ups. So I shared this, I'll share it again. It's our notes. Um, anybody in the chat needs this, boom. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of stuff. We actually did a survey uh, the other day asking people what their favorite part of the notes are and what's the most useful. And I'm thinking that Goodreads and uh, resources and the cheats are everyone's favorite, um, even more so than the news because everybody sees like the big news stories that we might cover. Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody sees like some of the smaller write-ups that we'll throw in. Like sometimes it's our friends or somebody that we might just know that doesn't really have a big reach. And so we get a lot of really cool stuff that people send us. And we, we notice a lot of stuff too. And we aggregate them in a channel in our in our chats and we're able to uh, pull them all together at the end of the week. And there's a lot of really cool stuff a lot of the times, um, especially in the, the cheats and resources section too. Um, so yeah, we actually have author, authors of some of the, one of our good reads here. Um, the uh, Red Teamer's Guide to the Pulse Secure SSL VPN, which we'll talk to you in a little bit. Um, just a little brief overview of what they they found because they've been working diligently on um, a number of uh, 
of really creative ways to exploit the Pulse uh, secure VPN stuff. So that'll be dope to talk to. I mean, we have a lot of different, like, I mean, some guys, like some people, guys, some people are looking at, uh, you know, like I, I look at mailing lists a lot. And so like, I'll paste those links and then it's a race to see who gets the news in. But everyone's sort of looking all, at all different, their own mm -hmm. aggregate sources as well. So it's really good, be, like having, I guess, the crowd crowdsourcing things. Absolutely. It's actually a lot harder than you guys think. Like a lot of people are like, who's the guest? Where's the guest? What's the news? Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Magic definitely. Happen. It does. Usually we're, we're, we're flying by ringing a prayer. So, <laughs> but if you are somebody who has a write-up that you've done or a resource or a repo you want to share or any exploits or POCs that you've written that you want to share, um, definitely let us know because we can always throw them in here. A lot of people read this. Um, a lot of people download our show notes um, beyond even just watching our stream or listening to our show. Um, so there's a lot of reach. So definitely if you have anything cool, you can always tag us or DM us and we'll take a look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get, let's get into it. Let's see if anybody has anything else to say. No? Okay. <laughs> so the first story we have in here is pretty cool. Uh, not. It's actually really scary to think about if you're Somebody who plans on retiring or anything. Um, from cyber criminals, or oh, this is your, uh, your um, Some cyber criminals, uh, people had stolen $4.2 million from a state trooper's pension fund. Um, so basically, they had owned this um, this financial uh, investment manager who was working for the Oklahoma Law Enforcement Retirement System Agency. And they were able to just uh, siphon money out of their account by uh, compromising their their email, um, which is that's pretty crazy. That there's like a single point of failure like that, where one person can just get hacked and then everybody loses their retirement or pension. Um, yeah. That's like what a lot of people use to like live, you know. <laughs> I, I <laughs> so. think there's a lot of uh, like people who have set up things like a retirement fund, for example the people who it's meant for have started this retirement fund, you know, maybe before the internet even possibly. Mm -hmm. you know? And then they're like, Oh, now email manages it. And then it's like one person and it's like the email that's on like, you know, the XM server that is, uh, is a mm -hmm. EV with the RC root RCV, uh, root CVE RC bug in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, if you do enough recon and find the right person, there's, always that linchpin somewhere yeah, yeah absolutely this is like especially scary because like this is like safety net stuff right like usually like mm. things get broken there's like a fallback this but this is like this is people's fallback unless like, yeah, actually people's, like you know backup plan and like what they're or what they're actually living off of so it's like that's a uh, scary for like that kind of thing right well it's always interesting to, to think about like, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, most of the stuff that we're dealing with, I, I mean, depends on the person, but a, a large number of us are not necessarily working with that kind of like, uh, if this system gets screwed over, you know, people's lives are ruined type thing. And just thinking about that kind of critical system failing is concerning. Um, the problem with government is funding, obviously, too. They're not going to get yeah. exactly talented people who pay attention to this kind of stuff. Um, like, I, I'd interviewed for a State Department, and I was kind of amazed. And at this point, they're like, oh, you want to work, like, four days remote a week? And I'm like, okay, like, how bad is this, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, all you need to do is like read the news story about the IRS, like having to pay Microsoft how much for like to continue supporting XP, like really yeah, <laughs> yeah, government stuff. Great. Like, like when you talk to financial people about, uh, you know, this kind of like about money, financial people want financial problems. They don't want to hear about computers. So if you can get insurance yeah. on the money, like then it's insured who cares if they steal it or whatever it's going to cost us this much for insurance blah 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 money financial solution that's i mean that is a fair yeah but that's like totally not in the vision of like cyber security like we're like right insurance, right, right. insurance is for like when everything fucks up like we'll just protect the money and then you don't like you know you're not going to have to you know get the insurance like, well i mean yeah it's the same deal with like bitcoin versus banks one of the advantages that banks have over bitcoin is if they fail you know or somebody steals all the money there's insurance on a large portion of that yeah, yeah definitely um not to say that we don't love bitcoin or dogcoin and you can donate to us uh the address is something one thugs for bitcoin yeah as you look at uh, if you go to thu.gg um and you go to the you want a thug 2.0 uh link the Bitcoin address is in there for the uh, fake ransom. <laughs> Which, by the way, has still continued to, to serve a lot of laughs and gas for people who just leave that open on their uh, on their desktop at work. Just full screen it. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yo, uh, the next story that we have on here um, is pretty cool. Um, the DMV, uh, I guess, I, I didn't even know about this law. But there's been a number of laws that have been trying to prevent DMVs um, from being able to sell personal data of you, like your license, like data that you can't, like, you have to give to them. They, they, uh, they, uh, there's a lot to sell it. And there's like a couple of different things that have tried to stop it because DMVs have gotten in trouble for selling to like private investigators that are funded by stalkers that are trying to like kill somebody. Um, and other unstable people. Um, and so, yeah, I think interesting. I didn't realize that DMVs could still do that. Yeah, well, right. Might have been muffled at the end there, you. But, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, like, identity documents obviously being super confidential private data. Um, we saw with the Binance um, KYC dump. Um, like a lot of people's, uh, you know, drive photos with them and their driver's license have gotten out. Um, but there's like this really critical um, problem with copies, of, like digital copies of, of physical documents like that. So if you have a single scanned original, like, well, like the original digital digitization of a document, um, and that's worth, say, I don't know, like 50 points or 70 points of identity, and you need, you know, 100 points or something. But then you make a copy of that file and you send that exact file to somewhere else. Is that document now worth less? Because you know it's in the hands of you know seven different places that are going to secure it that it could could potentially be breached and then reused to identify. So it's like, I think I think the thing that's the most concerning is the DMVs have the most current data about you because a scan yeah. of a driver's license could be from any time period. Like I have a scan of John McAfee's license. I I don't know if it's valid still, but there's not it's not as valuable i guess to an attacker as if you call up the dmv that that has the information the most current information about him and ask for that 
you know that's that's a lot more valuable that's 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 what's the most concerning to me is that not that they're like third parties it's this is the first party and it's a government agency that is somehow able to sell your information to whoever asked for it or yeah. whoever has a good enough reason yeah it's a, it's a clone of like the first digitization of it so yeah guys were saying that there's no money in government come on <laughs> i know what are you talking about um no i mean it's frustrating like that money to make the dmv actually work oh yeah i don't think that's what they're going to use it for um yeah no it's always frustrating with stuff like that where you know uh, there's an agency or even an organization that you know people rely upon or are required to use to kind of function in society and they're exploiting that fact um yeah No, absolutely. Um, so speaking of other uh, uh, handing over data to uh, people that you might not want to, this next uh, story here from Forbes um, is pretty interesting where the feds are demanding that Apple and Google hand over names of 10,000 plus users of a gun scope app. So uh, apparently there's this, I didn't even know that this, there's an app that can do this, but there's an app that you can use to calibrate your scope for a gun and the um, Department of Justice is trying to get information about the users of the app and demanding that Google and Apple step in to do it. Because um, obviously they have to go through the developer and Google and Apple aren't necessarily going to have all the information about them. I mean, they might have like who installed it and stuff, but there's probably more detailed information that the actual developer has. And so, um, yeah, I don't know why they would really do this, but it's an interesting question. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things with it. So, like, the app allows you to do, like, to sight in a weapon. It allows you to record uh, taking a shot. Um, and so, basically, it's correlating people who own a specific... Um, because, like, as we saw with uh, the Christchurch stuff, where people are, are live recording, um, you know, the, the firearm usage, this, like, where like where the actual scopes, because the scope is not a weapon, obviously, but it's attached to a weapon and where they're sent out, there's, you know, licensing and regulations about the countries and places they're sent out. So I guess if this scope turned up somewhere in like, you know, Syria or I don't know, Iran or somewhere that um, there's a, a sanction on selling this type of thing, then mm -hmm. I can see why they would want that type of data, but to yeah. blanket grab everybody's data, like, because if you, if you purchase the scope, Okay, if you like from a registered dealer and blah, 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 you obviously have a license and you're a responsible owner or whatever. And I guess they're looking for anything outside of that, but yeah. they're at the same time, just totally breaching the privacy of anyone who legitimately has like taken tests and keeps their license up to date. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things and they wanted like phone numbers and, and details about these people, which doesn't really seem fair um, because you bought you know, some fancy scope off, you know, because it's cool or whatever you're into, yeah. and, you know, you want a, dig a digital way to sight in, you know, the weapon that you go hunting with or the use for sporting or whatever that has nothing to do with any malicious act. Yeah. The thing about this that really got me is first of all, like 10,000 users on an app, it's like a very small number. And it's like, I wonder, I almost have to wonder how this showed up on, uh, you know, our, the feds radar in the first place 
um the other thing is right like people who have these are going to be more technologically sound like probably more technologically savvy probably you know use other internet stuff and like the amount of information you can get from that that allows you to trace these people's footprints to other places is probably like pretty high uh and so this sounds like kind of the right the like surveillance kind of uh, thing is like just targeting people who who own weapons, uh, in a way. Yeah, it's a, it's a roundabout way though, because the direct way is pe- like people who purchase weapons. But this is not a weapon; it's a scope, and they're not tracking the scope. They're tracking the app to track the scope to find the people who own weapons. Which it's it's a very roundabout, invasive way to uh, you know, to loophole their way into tracking it. I don't know. Well, and maybe they're not just looking to collect names either. Maybe it's just a first step in them getting more data or like audio or what, video and photographs of people who are, you know, ghost gunners and dialing in on those individuals. Yeah. Or the other thing I was thinking about is like a lot of people have uh, like modified weapons, right? Like obviously someone's firing like an automatic weapon in a place where automatic weapons aren't allowed, right? There's GPS that you can tie to like that kind of stuff too. But they can't actually, so that the, from what I understand, the app just saves the video um, to the device, to like a phone or something. It doesn't, or like, I think a laptop maybe, I don't know. Um, so it does, but it just has the app installed. It doesn't actually allow them to get access to the recordings, which could be, you know, shooting watermelons or, you know, jugs of milk, I don't know, whatever. Uh, okay, I feel, but, I see. Yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know. It's sketchy at best. Like, I don't think, I think Apple, or I hope that Apple and Google will fight it because it's not really their domain to like sort of, you know, since when an Apple have Apple and Google been involved with like ITAR licensing? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, it's like a backdoor that they've tried to try to pull. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, big companies data i don't know um this huge database of facebook users uh phone numbers is found i want to find more information about this did anybody actually see this database in the wild so i did not see the database uh but i was talking to the person who uh found that information uh-huh. first over a channel that we're in uh and it's interesting um i, I don't really know that much about it um but it seems unfortunate. I don't think there was anything other than um, phone number, birthday. Um, actually, no, there was quite a bit of information. I think it was mostly scraped public information was mm-hmm. my understanding of that. Yeah. So that's what they had said on, on here is that, that they had said that it was from, it was over a, a year old. Um, and a lot of it is older because that's when Facebook started restricting access to that information to their their APIs, um, but it's still there. I mean, this kind of data sources are out there. Like there's tons of giant databases of just random scraped stuff that somebody might've tried or some company might've tried to sell and they just sit there just randomly like in the middle of, you know, something yeah. you know what's, what's horrible about this though, is you could nuke Facebook right now. Like you could just like, you know, thermite every disk, like all the backups and this mm-hmm. data is still out there and relevant. Yeah, you're never erasing those records, basically. Uh, yeah. And I think the other thing is like, um, you know, there was a, an event like this with GitHub a little while ago uh, where somebody went through and scraped all that information. And I think that 
you know, people were basically saying, no, you know, it's public information. Well, so for Facebook, it's slightly different, but regardless, it takes a lot of time to aggregate, scrape that information and to build that database. And so you're basically just making it a lot easier for people who are not very, who don't have the expertise or the time or the resources to do that, to, uh, you know, spam or scam people or, you know, fish them. I wonder if, uh, like, it's obviously always cat and mouse or this kind of thing, but I wonder what kind of behavioral analysis could have been in place to watch for scraping across Facebook's cluster that serves these APIs. I mean, obviously, after the fact, hindsight, 2020, we could say all the yeah. but Yeah, you I think, think that, that would be kind of simple. Well, it, it, it's simple until you look at the distribution of that kind of thing, right? You can, you can approach it from you know, 10,000 IP addresses and scrape slowly and make it look fairly. Uh, yeah, that's I just like you do with Cordana. I mean, you can yeah, also use that, like, you know, you could have a Chrome plugin or something that you entice a million delicious. people to install that feeds it back slowly yeah. just natural browsing, you know, like an ad block. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that the other thing is like, uh, with this type of thing, one of the things they could have done to reduce the amount of abuse or, or uh, poison the data is if they had, you know, fake users return from that API. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that that API should never exist in the first place. So, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's the thing is it's hard to, I feel like it's, it's, it's hard to do the sort of retro on this kind of thing because a lot of it was already sketchy and it's been coming out as sketchy. And so a lot of this stuff is just like, sort of like, what's a quick way that we can expose x y and z to third parties who want to pay us extra money for this oh, it's yeah. like it's just it's because it's sketchy it's not going to be like as properly logged or as properly audited in the way that other applications with apis i guess would use so that's where a lot of these random weird issues that come in are like why is this even open like why could anybody even scrape this like oh yeah well a lot of the plain text file a lot of this is like the there's a snapchat database that came out a while back with the same kind of stuff Right, but it's because like it ties in so well like to their like their business model, right? Which is get more people right. on, get more people connected. So that allows you to import your phone book, and then all of the numbers in your phone book are related, you know, relate to yeah. users and whatnot. And so it's like they uh, they have a, like a fiscal incentive to have these kind of things public facing, uh, which you know presents a problem because you know like. A legitimate user might be doing these like 200 at a time these you know these lookups uh, yeah yeah right like when you upload your contacts if you do that uh right you're looking up a giant number of these so even like looking up things in bulk uh like wouldn't flag this so it's kind of it's one of those interesting things um, i mean that same thing applies not just to like snapchat but you know uh, telegram or like when it looks up your phone contacts or like signal yeah. you know wire whatever whatever thing that looks at your contacts looks at your contacts you know it's interesting yeah, yeah no i mean I, for, for a while facebook I, I think it probably still does facebook messenger would just grab your entire contact list and a bunch of phone uh, records and just pop them up um, i love it when they ask and they say do you want to import your contact list i'm like hell no well, yeah even like keybase like recently did that yeah, yep. it's like there's people that you contact, like I don't know, say a real estate agent or someone like you're not friends with them. You don't want to talk. You don't want to spend any more time with this person than you have to. It's purely business relationships. Like I don't want to add them to you know social media. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, the, the real thing here is uh, Facebook having this information in the first place was probably not the greatest idea. You know, they have probably more information than they needed to have available in that API. But then the other thing is also like the fact that somebody scraped all of this information and just kind of left it hanging out there is a bit of an interesting thing. Is that uh is this Mongo though? This uh database. I don't know if they I think it was elastic. Let me uh let me uh I don't know if the article says I mean it, it could have been built by the attacker or it could have come out that naturally that way, but I, I'm barely certain it it was elastic. Um, oh yeah. Was it? Yeah. I mean also you see like a lot of these lists that come up uh a lot. Right, like if you look at the "Have I Been Pwned" uh, copyright TM Jetski Incorporated, uh, like uh, lists, right? There's a lot of like what they call spam lists on there, which yeah. aren't aren't really you know breaches as much as someone found some dumb dumb shit that was attached to the internet uh, with you know 500 million people's address, phone yeah. number uh facebook likes etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's like this kind of stuff is it's definitely already been out there so it's like uh i would say the impact it's weird that the impact of this is so like low at this point it seems because so much of it's already been leaked so many other places yeah uh, i think that also just like the the value of uh associating somebody's name their gender their country their location their phone number you know Alone, those pieces of information are not necessarily that valuable, but when you associate those pieces of information with one another, they can be quite a bit. Uh, I think the main takeaway from all this is uh, if you don't have social media or you have kids who don't yet have social media, then uh, maybe educate them a little and be like, look at the mistakes humanity made before you um, can try yeah. and you know, make smarter decisions. That's really hard to do, especially in the the integration of social media into society now. But there's got to be some kind of pushback against just like handing over everything you have. Yeah, and the the problem is that as long as uh, websites and social media like are like I said financially motivated to pry all the information they can from you, they're going to keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is one of those things that like the, the really the only way to fully fix this problem is to introduce some sort of legislation around it. Like there's certain things like that where sure everybody could stop using Facebook, but that's a pretty drastic thing to get, like try to get people to do that and it's, it's a losing battle. <laughs> it's also too late for those people who are using Facebook. Like moving off it is a good move, but like, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fix the problems that already exist. Now. Right, your information is still out there. Yeah. So, What's next? Uh, next one, service. pretty cool. Uh, this uh, four, uh, 47 super microservers are exposing their uh, BMC ports to the internet. Um, so people had found some research, or there's some research that came out uh, last week um, where they had found some vulns in the BMC firmware and that was cause for alarm because there are between 47,000 and 55,000 Supermicro BMCs exposed online. So BMCs are things, or they plug in for, um, they're called remote management for switches and other uh, important gear. Yeah. And so there like are vulnerabilities. 
Like mm-hmm. think, think about like the easiest way to think about BMC is if you're familiar with ILO or anything like that. It's an mm-hmm. extra network card that card that's a system on a chip that controls the motherboard. In this in, in this instance where we're talking about BMC, so you turn the machine yeah, yeah. on and off. You can mount storage. It's a full, usually a, a, like a, a cut down like Linux or Minix system, and you can yeah you can do all kinds of uh, provisioning to the hardware when mm-hmm. the device is off on a separate network. So the fact they're on the internet is absolutely insane. These should be on closed networks. Yeah, absolutely. But then the the thing is that four vulnerabilities came out about it, including plain text auth, unencrypted network traffic, weak encryption, and auth bypass. Um, so, the Supermicro is pretty cool too. What? Supermicro actually, uh, so if you uh, create a VNC session, it uses a Java client um, and uh, it creates a token, and the token's like eight characters long, and that's actually the VNC password. Um, that's it. And that'll give you console <laughs> access. Then so this- it runs mm-hmm. Dropbear as well. So, like, yeah. it's I think it's Dropbear with a 1024 uh, bit key. So, that's not that hard either in the scheme of things um but yeah lots of fun stuff oh sorry i was muted um (laughs) the auth bypass is pretty interesting too um because basically the state of authentication is linked to the client's uh file descriptor so if you're able to make a bunch of connections um you basically will luck out and eventually get the file descriptor of an authenticated client and then you'll just be authenticated. Nice. Um, which so is like, is actually, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's actually an interesting pivot point as well, because if you have bare metal running like a uh, Windows, for example, um, and you have BMC and then you have access, now you can mount, like remotely mount stuff over the network. Um, and then you can move between other bmcs on that network and i mean hopefully it doesn't cross over to the actual network but yeah um it's all very sketchy and yeah absolutely it it seems like just some sort of weirdo java application that is doing this well that's yeah the client for supermicro is a is a weird java like so one of the ones that i've played with is uh still signed with md5 so you actually need to run a separate old java client like old java jvm uh, in order to even run the client. So it should give you an idea of like the age and maintain. I wonder if you could collide those hashes and still make it like a valid jar file or whatever. I hope so. It definitely could. I very but, much hope so. I mean, I think that's the least of their worries with, with, with the uh, other. Yeah, computer. definitely. Yeah. And you just attach to the internet. But I mean, you can try. Um. Yeah, so IPMI <laughs> also allows you to send like power off reboot. Um, shut down like just all the standard stuff that you would like if you can think if you're not familiar with it and you think about like a vm you know you've got the options to send those uh like power commands like ipmi will accept those and if you mm-hmm. want to play with them and you don't have a bmc to play with or ipmi to play with there's uh it's called ipmi fence is the package and it's like a there's a dummy ipmi that you can you can mess around with to see what it actually does and then plug it into qmu so you can pretend like you have a server that has it yeah. Oh, i um, And also, if you don't have one to play with, there's 47,000 on the internet. Yo, so let's talk about this uh, next story, and then let's cut it over to uh, Alyssa and Desi to talk about um, Pulse stuff. 
Um, so the, the next story that we have on the list here, uh, 600,000 GPS trackers left exposed online with a default password of one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, nice. So shoot, how did they the GPS the trackers, um, they were manufactured uh, by a Chinese company um, and Avast had, had put some research out uh, where all these different models of GPS trackers all just use this uh, this password here. And so this is similar in a way to that um, the GPS trackers that we had researched before, um, MG, Mitch, me, and a couple others were looking at these weird GPS trackers that all tied into some sketchy backend and you could just authenticate to them and or not authenticate them. You could just access the the pages for each one of them um, it's similar though, where people get sold these things that have unknown backends that anybody can just authenticate to and, and just have a marauder's map of GPS trackers all over the world. Um, it's pretty yeah. freaky. Yeah, this is like, oh God, there have been so many GPS trackers that have like been hit with the same sort of stuff lately too, right? Like yeah. the last one uh, was like the fit, like the fitness things, which are I mean mm-hmm. GPS oh, trackers yeah. with with extra steps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, same thing. It's like oh, like where's has this thing been to uh, any like secure government facility? Oh, then it's yeah. uh, <laughs> boy, yeah, like, yeah, a single point of GPS by itself is actually generally not that valuable. But if you have it over time, or you have information associated with it. Like it's interesting that kind of thing from context adds a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's what sucks is that there's just all these really, really crappy um, commercial grade products that get put out there and people will buy them because they see them on like Wish or Alibaba <laughs> and it's like $2 and you're like, oh, $2 and I can track my spouse wherever she's going. Um, but it turns out that just China is spying on you, like as usual, <laughs> from another factor. Like it, just, it sucks that like that the all the shittiest things that people can do are usually supplied by terrible terrible security software same with um all the spouseware apps and things like that like the, all everything is just yeah it's always, there's always something there's always some like default password somewhere that some random person just can find and do whatever with it luckily somebody uh, actually reported it because who knows who's been actually looking at this kind of information and aggregating yeah. it my favorite thing was someone this week posted that like two percent of all passwords in uh, across like these like databases have been one two three four five six. So uh, yes. it is it that is was, funny. Uh, like so, you know when you go, like if you're going somewhere remote and people take GPS trackers just to like check in to know they're safe. It's like the same mm-hmm. thing, but in a piece of hardware. That's like yeah. oh well, the one that's like everyone recommends is like four hundred dollars, but I can get this one for like twenty five dollars it does exactly the same thing it's like yeah but your gps like your check-ins are now getting sent to china um yeah <laughs> like you know where, where you've tracked through the wilderness today is all on record in china and who knows how it's protected like so a, a lot of these boards too a lot of the gps tracker boards what they do what they have on them they're they're just repurposed like very very low budget smartphone chips and so they'll have they need to have a gprs modem and they need to have something that has a gps tracking on it and some interface for it to put you know send data to so they're usually very very like stripped down like like um like mobile like os um that would be on 
it's like it's much easier to to do that than to R and D your own um, board like that. So people use like MediaTek chips, the MediaTek like RT twenty six somethings. I forget what they are. Are are using a ton of them um, because they're easy to use, but they're also easy to attach a microphone to as well, <laughs> which is also really scary. Uh, the the fact that everything has an app frustrates me. Like mm -hmm. a GPS tracker. Why do you need an app for that? Like, it seems like you could do it either by a, a web web application or like there, there's other ways that you could do that that would be better. I'm surprised that you need to log into a GPS. Yeah. yeah. There was I mean, uh, a project I worked on that was tracking vehicles, like fleet, fleet tracking stuff. And there's a thing in the car and blah, blah, blah. And it was on a closed APN GPRS network. Um, but basically everything over it was like MQTT, clear text, blah, 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 blah. Like it wasn't sensitive data or anything. Um, I, yeah. I mean, like the targeting fleet for some reason that was in the middle of like nowhere. Um, but yeah, and it, it suited the purpose for what they were doing. But if you were, you know, if that same product was applied in any other scenario, that would be absolutely horrible. And it, it sort of takes a little bit of figuring out to know whether that is or is not the right uh to deploy yeah no it's just crazy and i, I just so i implore people to not uh use these kinds of things no matter how cheap they are um because yeah it's it's very very it's it's never going to be good Is <laughs> all i can say with any of these sketchy sort of apps so but if you are going to use GPS tracker, use the ThugFred branded two dollar yeah, GPS tracker. GPS tracker. Yeah. If you want to be protected from GPS tracking, then you can use the dollar VPN.